Hello, everyone, and welcome to Minute 108 of Season 3 of Movie Around Minute, the daily podcast where we yippee our way through the 1988 Bruce Willis action film Die Hard, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me today is Todd Levenow of the Forgotten Filmcast. Welcome back, Todd. Thank you. Thank you. Spoiler alert here. Rob, uh, you know, only allowed me on the podcast because I threatened to call INS on him. Comprende? <laughs> <laughs> Just watch your ass. <laughs> All right. So minute 108 begins with John getting sappier and ends with Thornburg threatening about Paulina. So yeah, yesterday's minute was a minute where John really was, you know, just just bearing his soul, you know, letting his uh, bleeding heart out, along with his bleeding feet, I guess you can say. And yes, bleeding hearts know, and bleeding feet. That's right. <laughs> and today we we continue with the the end of that, where John basically says. He started saying yesterday, I want you to tell her that. I want you to tell her that. John said he was sorry. Okay. You got that, man? And Al responds, yeah, I got it, John. But you can tell her that yourself. You just watch your ass, and you'll make it out of there. You hear me? And, you know, I mean, <laughs> I I like the encouragement. I, I, I like the way that this movie takes these two characters. And, you know, who, who have not met each other yet. Okay. And for anyone who's seen the movies, movie, we know that they have like a minute together later on. That's about it. You know, it's not as if yeah. they're, they're going to have that much screen time together throughout or whatever. Or, but, you know, they, they, they build such a great camar- camaraderie between the two of them just via their conversations here. Even though, mm. you know, Al doesn't really know who John is. John John knows that Al's a cop. You know, and after a while, Al finds out that John's a cop. But he doesn't know any information about the fact that he's a cop. You know, yeah. so he's – he and the way that the two of them – the way that their conversations go is just great. You know, it's the type of conversation that you want to hear. Yeah. Well, I agree. I mean – you you may have covered it on some other previous episodes, but you know, at the time I've been here, we haven't really talked about what what a great character Al is and you know, just the dynamic between these two, the camaraderie. Um, I mean, Al is one of the I don't really want to call him a sidekick, but he's one of the great movie sidekicks of all time. He's the type of guy that you watch this and you go, you know, everybody needs an Al in their life. You know what I mean? <laughs> do you have an L in your life? Oh yes. I would say that I do. I've, you know, probably spread out among a number of people, various friends. Um, you know, uh, my wife, I would probably consider, uh, just don't, an call, Al. Just don't call her <laughs> out. You know, <laughs> uh, I, well, I could actually, because that is her initials. Her, her first name is Amy. And since she married me, her last name starts with an L. So, you know, I, could call her Al, I guess. Yeah, good, I good, to. good luck with that one. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I don't know your wife, but I, I don't think that'll fly. <laughs> if you tell her, <laughs> I'm, I want to call you Al because you're, you're my Al of Die Hard. You know. <laughs> yeah. 
But I mean, again, you know, we, we talked last time, you know, about moments that play into things we see later in the movie and such. And, you know, just this scene and the way that that Al, you know, responds to to John, I think, plays into what we see later on when they do finally meet. And, you know, where they they know each other just by looking at each yes. other, you know, they mm-hmm. don't have to say, you know, this is John, this is Al. They just they connect right away. And so, yeah, it's it's a great moment. Al is such a great, um, you know, listener, a great encourager. Um, yeah, like I said, he's he's the type of guy we all need in our lives. Yeah. OK, that's fair. So he, he says to John, watch your ass. OK, where, where do you think what do you think that phrase means? Well, it means it, it's. I think it's a variation on watch your back, basically, because watch your back was always to say, you know, like, be aware, be tuned into what's happening, you know, uh, that type of thing. And I think that that this version of that phrase is is just kind of a, as we said last time, a more colorful version, (laughs) shall we say. Colorful metaphors. So it yeah. basically means, uh, you know, be careful. You, the, the the full phrase is mind your backs, keep your toes, and watch your ass. That's the the full phrase that's usually that that that's used. So at this point, then John responds to Al by saying, "Well, I guess that's all up to the man upstairs." And I love the way that we can see the light bulb popping up above the head of of John. Yeah, you know, he he as he's yeah. saying that he says, "Well, that's up to the man upstairs," and then he's looking up and going, "Wait a second. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's a great moment. Um, and it's almost like, I mean, he's using the phrase "the man upstairs," you know, as it's been used for for ages there, and then at the same time, he's almost referring to to Hans specifically there because you know as we've just seen the last two minutes here he's spilling his guts he's not sure he's going to make it out alive you know it's almost like he's kind of saying like you know what happens here is is all up to to that guy that I just tussled with a few minutes ago the man upstairs the guy I met upstairs and then you know suddenly the the light bulb goes off and he goes oh there's there's more to this plan than than what I realized. Right. It's true. So when do you think the first known use of the phrase man upstairs was? The man upstairs. I have no idea, but I'm going to guess it might have been like in the context of a like I, I want to say something literary, like a book or something yes, like it that. Was, that it was literary. To, to God as the man right. upstairs. It's, literal, yeah. it's, it's from 1943. Okay, and it's uh, the 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 original phrase was uh, as luck fate or the man upstairs would have it the storm subsides by morning. You know that's the uh, I mean obviously you know not getting into uh, bouts of religion or things like or, or faith and things like that, but you know basically they're 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 talking about God, but. I love the way that basically John now makes a correlation between Hans and God from the perspective that, okay, Mm -hmm. Hans is the guy who's, you know, arranging everything from upstairs, you know, that type of thing. Right. You know, he's, he's not saying that Hans is God, but what he's saying is, is that Hans is, 
you know, manipulating. I, I don't know if he's manipulating. The, oh, that's a bad word to use in this. <laughs> yeah, no. He's the one in control yes. of the situation yes. right now. Yes. Yeah. He's, he's the one making the situation as it is and things like that. Um, and and I, yeah, absolutely. I, I think that, that that works really well for them to make that type of correlation here. You know, and it, it also works as, you know, the double meaning of, okay, the man upstairs is God. But wait a second, the man upstairs here was Hans. So, you know, mm-hmm. he can he can think about that. And and at this point, Al seems to think that he's lost John because John is deep in thought, trying to figure this whole thing out. And he goes, John, John, you know, and then John verbally says out loud, what the f- are you doing upstairs, Hans? You know, and, and like mm-hmm. he doesn't say it into the radio. He's saying it to us, basically, because at this point, he's basically yeah. telling the audience what he's thinking. Yeah, well, he's he's talking his way through it, which is something we've seen him do throughout <clears throat> the film. Um, you know, like uh, there's the moment where he's um, kind of beating himself up for not um, not stepping in when uh, Takagi was was at risk. Says, why didn't you do something, John? He says, because you'd be dead too. Right, he gives himself you know, the answers. Thinking yeah. out loud. So, right. So this is something he does throughout the film. He He's a think out loud type of guy. Right, but I I, I think it's more for, for us. You know. Well, yeah. I mean, from a script writing standpoint, having a character think out loud is, is totally to to uh, give the audience information. Yes. <laughs> Completely. And, and, and it works. <laughs> He definitely is able to yep. give us enough information when he does that, you know. And then um, Al says, "John," and he goes, "No, Al, listen, listen, just lay off for a while. I got to check on something." You know, and and you can see the confusion on Al's face when he says that to him. So it it mm-hmm. it, it it it's a nice way for them to you know to end this scene, this conversation between the two of them. I mean, it starts off. Uh, you know, it starts off with John opening his heart and moving it, and it gets sappier and sappier and sappier. And then, you know, one phrase during this conversation just completely changes the direction of things. Yeah, it snaps him back. You know, he's he's been, you know, like he said, he's kind of been losing hope through this this moment of spilling his guts. And then he says something that just triggers him back into right. policeman like, well, mode. What were you so doing here? Why were you up here? You know, you shouldn't have been up here. Also, John doesn't necessarily know mm-hmm. that Hans doesn't have any. He doesn't have as many uh, uh, minions to help him here. So, you know, John John knows he's taken out a few, right, but still, right. he doesn't know the exact number. He he's always guessing at the number of of uh, of terrorists slash thieves. Do you know how many there are? Did you count? Yeah. Didn't they say didn't they say twelve at one point? Um, but I don't know if that. Okay, was so accurate. they do they do say twelve because I think because Al Al says something or somebody Al says something about you know he's the reason that you're dealing with with the uh, eight terrorists instead of twelve. Yes, he does that, like that. that phrase, and there's numerous times throughout the movie that they refer to them as twelve. But if you count them, you get thirteen. 
So uh, again, it's a Baker's okay. dozen. No, well, that doesn't. you know, you put Al Leong is in his own category, so you don't lump him <laughs> in with everybody else. Okay, that's, that's the good. way that because he's the chocolate eating man. <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> makes sense. And then the the you know we see Al's confusion by this this comment and trying to figure out what's what John's really talking about. But I guess he says to himself, "All right, this guy is a seasoned uh, you know cop. Uh, he's he's a badge. He's a seasoned badge." So therefore, you know, he's going to let him have his little bit of time to think things through. And then the the scene changes and we were back to our good friend uh, Thornburg. You know. <laughs> that William great. Atherton, man. What one of the great I mean, we talked about the word jerk last time. One of the great jerks right. of 80s movies. I actually just rewatched William Atherton. Your, one of I your mean, favorite uh, movies from 84 that features Atherton. I, 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 saw, I saw Ghostbusters just the other uh, day again. So. Ghostbusters, yeah. Between this movie, Ghostbusters, and Real Genius, he solidified himself as one yeah. of the all-time great you think, 80s jerks. Do you think he's better than uh, Dwayne Dean Robinson? Um... Oh, who's the who's the bigger jerk? Oh, because well, good point because you've got mm-hmm. another great '80s jerk in this movie because he's the he's the principal or the he's teacher the in the principal. Breakfast Club. Uh, yes. Um. Mm, oh, jeez, that is one of the toughest questions. Wow. I so there you go, Paul Gleason. Paul Gleason or William Atherton? Paul Gleason or William Atherton? Oh. I think I'm gonna go with Atherton, just because Ghostbusters. I mean, in Ghostbusters, he's just he's off the charts, you know. So, yeah. Okay. I mean, I I gotta say, I gotta say. I mean, I I think I think I think, you know, Dwayne is he's almost more inept than a jerk. In ah, you're saying Atherton? You know what I mean? Atherton is doing it on purpose. He is a jerk. He's being a jerk on purpose, and yes. you know, Paul Gleason yes. is just just stupid. Okay, all right, that's fair. Yes, yes, I think I. Okay, I that's think fair. I'm go See, I, that. I, I, when I rewatched yeah. uh, Ghostbusters the other day, so I was paying a lot of attention to William Atherton's character, and his character there is so one-dimensional. It's just, you know, it actually I think hurts the movie that they didn't develop him a little bit better. You know, I think he would have been a, I think well, he would have been a you know, better jerk. You know, the original uh the original screenplay for for Ghostbusters was like epically yes. long. Dan Aykroyd's original version had like, you know, it would it would have been like a like a 6-hour long movie type of thing. So maybe that's in in what we lost <laughs> in the in when they paired have, it. Have down. you ever read it? Have you ever read it? The full screenplay? Oh no. I don't know if it's even out there. Is it out there? I don't know. Yeah, I I didn't know until you yeah. just mentioned right now that the that there was a yeah. six hour no, I mean, uh, version of the screenplay. My understanding of that whole thing was that, you know, I, I want to say it was one of the first times Aykroyd had really done like a, a movie screenplay. So he didn't even have a, a context for how long it should be type of a thing. And he had this epic thing. And, and I, I want to say Ivan Reitman was like, well, you've got some good stuff here, but it needs it needs to, to be more manageable. And that's kind of where Harold Ramis came in more. And I think he he helped bring it down to what we have today but right anyway but again we, you know we could have had belushi in there we could add eddie murphy you know it's another one that that you, i mean sure i'm sure other folks have done it by the minute but yeah the day you're you're yeah. up for for ghostbusters i'm there buddy no so. that it's already been done that die hard's been done also 
But the reason I'm redoing, I redid Die Hard is because I'm going to do the whole series. So that that uh, is the plan. So you can't start a series at number two. And, you know, <laughs> they only did number one. Number one was, remember last year, you and I were, were on the, the group uh, Movies by Minute project uh, from, from 2022. We're, we did Silverado together. Right. So right. Die Hard was the very first group project five years ago. Ah, uh, okay. Okay. Um, but which I, I, I wasn't part of the community back then, so I, I didn't do it. So, but if, if you're interested, Bubba Wheat every week, uh, does a comparison between, uh, my episodes and those episodes and, uh, oh, you know, interesting. and chooses which one he thinks is, uh, is, is more interesting. <laughs> so some, there are weeks, there are weeks I'm happier with Bubba than, than others, but the, you know. <laughs> All right, so now we know if there's any, uh, you know, falling out between Movie Rob and Bubba Wee. No, there won't be falling out. But we just doesn't like that I that I, I spent like 20 minutes of our episode last last uh, season talking about the Amish people, just because there was just because <laughs> we saw a horse and buggy, you know. But whatever. That's, <laughs> sorry, Bubba. I, I I know you don't like it, so that, that's fine. You can you hey. can listen. You know, you're you're always welcome well, back I if you want. One of the best sights I ever saw in my life that I just just gave me a, a wonderful chuckle was when I was in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, which of course is Amish country, and I went out to eat and I pulled into the parking lot of a Fuddruckers and there was a horse and buggy uh, parked there. So there you go. Apparently, the Amish do Fuddruckers. Apparently, apparently, I was actually in Lancaster County. I drove through Lancaster County uh, two months ago when I was in the states. So yeah. Oh, mm, cool. Yeah. For, for some reason, when I was going from Baltimore to New Jersey, it took me all through Pennsylvania because I didn't want to pay toll, which was fine. I didn't mind. I didn't mind. It was it was it was fun. And I got to see all of these uh, uh, biblical named cities. You know, I even saw the same name of the city that I that I live in. I saw it in Pennsylvania and I was just, you know, I was shocked. You know, uh -huh. it's the the. Well, I mean, I don't know how you know your, I don't know how you, how well you know your Bible, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, I live in the city called Ephrata, which is, uh, uh -huh. it, it's in the book of Ruth. It's mentioned in the book of Ruth. Yes. So yeah. when I was driving through Pennsylvania, I saw Ephrata, Pennsylvania, and I'm like, whoa, holy crap. <laughs> I'd never thought about that before. I think you see some similar things in Utah as well, because, uh, you know, of course, the Mormons yeah, of course. Are settled Utah. So you see a lot of biblical names there as well. Right. Um, we've we've totally tanked this episode now on Bubba Wheat's scale by talking about the Amish, uh, <laughs> you know, for for this long. There you go. So now sorry, we're, not, we're not even close to getting 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 into too deep there. So we're we're good. We're good. So we're back to talking about uh, William Atherton. <laughs> oh Thurber. yeah, that guy. Thurber. Thurber. <laughs> so. He 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 looks and and you know he he looks at Paulina now. Paulina's in her robe again. This is like midnight or one o'clock in the morning. He's knocked on the door. It already says something about his personality that he's willing to bother people at this hour in order to get his scoop. You know, it's Christmas Eve, or, or by this point, maybe even early Christmas morning. He should have dressed up as Santa Claus and come to the door. You mean they would have given him like... cookies and milk? They would have given him cookies and milk, and then they might have just let him in. He wouldn't have had to threaten to to have INS called and all that. He could have just been, hey, it's me, jolly old St. Nick with my news crew. Uh, we're here to see, uh, uh, what's her name? Lucy. Uh, Lucy. Lucy and, and whatever John Jr. the son's name is. John Jr. 
Yeah. Jack. Jack, as we Young find Jack out, Courtney as we find and, out from Mary Elizabeth. Uh, that's right. As we yeah. find out in in Die Hard Five, <laughs> you know, his name is Jack. They don't call him John anymore. So he so he says one minute. That's all I'm asking. And she responds in Spanish, which I don't understand Spanish. So I don't know what she says. And then he goes one minute just to yeah, speak to you. All right, all right, all right. Get back. He like he pushes back his his cameraman and stuff like that. And he goes back off. Like they're the aggressors exactly. in all this. Yeah. Back off. Back. All right. I'm, all right. He says, look. You let me in right now, or I call the INS. Comprende? So he he's really showing how much of a jerk he is with this. That is not something that you do at this hour. You know, just you don't do it any hour, but this hour in particular. You know, he's you know she's actually stupid. She answered the door. You know. <laughs> I know. I mean, you know, not only do you not answer the door at midnight or whatever, but I mean, it's Los Angeles, folks. I mean, you know, don't don't try to pretend that it's not a, uh, <laughs> a high crime. Well, it goes back to what you, you said. Know. Maybe she thought it was Santa. That's true. Yeah. I mean, you know, there you go. it's Tim Allen there at the door. That's right. There you go. Now, do you know what the INS is? This one I know. It's the Immigration and Naturalization uh, Services, I think. Sir, is that the, the services? Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Yes. Of course, you I was thinking, correct. watching this today, they probably would have, they would have said, I'm calling ICE instead of I'm calling INS, uh, just because. Well, because they changed, they changed the name. Yeah. The INS was only around for a total of 89 years, from 1933 till 2003. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's part of the uh, U.S. Department of Labor. Uh, well, actually, it started off as part of the Department of Labor from 33 to 40, and then from 40 to 2003, it was part of the Department of Justice. And then they changed the name to the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services, followed by the U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement, which is ICE, as you said. First, it was USCIS, then ICE, and then U.S. Customs and Border Protection. Sorry, it was it was transferred into all three of these. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. So you have... The first one is U.S. Citizenship and, and Immigration Services, USCIS, U.S. Immigration and Customs Service Enforcement, ICE, ICE, and U.S. Customs and Border Protection, CBP, which are all part of the uh, Department of Homeland Security. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, they make sure that people uh, are doing the right thing. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the mission of the INS is they administered federal immigration laws and regulations, including the Immigration and Nationality Act. Its officers inspected foreigners arriving at the official port of entry, detecting and deterring illegal entry between the ports with the assistance of the Border Patrol, which is a component of the INS, and by sea, and conducting investigations of criminals and administrative violations of the act. The INS also adjudicated applications for permanent residency green cards, change of status, naturalization, the process with which an alien foreign-born person becomes a citizen, and similar matters. Okay, after the Civil War, there were states that were starting to to pass their own immigration laws, which prompted the, the Supreme Court in 1876 to rule that uh, immigration is only something that the federal government can deal with, and that's not something in the states can do. Mm-hmm. So in 1891, they had the Immigration Act, which established an office of the Superintendent of Immigration, which was part of the Treasury Department. And 
this office was responsible for admitting, rejecting, and processing all immigrants seeking admission to the United States and for implementing national immigration policy. So in other words, those are all the people that used to, you know, we'd, we'd see in, in movies, uh, you know, working in the, the Statue of Liberty on Ellis Island. Right, right. You know, I mean, I, I know that my grandfather showed up. I, I actually found the manifest where, where actually I found the manifest where my great grandfather came into the to the U.S. And then oh, I cool. found the manifest where my great grandmother came two years later with their two kids, oh, which excellent. to me is just baffling that back to the, you know, the 120 years ago, because it was in 1901. I think I think I think the, the, he came in 1901 and she came in 1903. Or maybe, I don't remember the exact years. There was, it was like a two-year gap between mm-hmm. the two of them and stuff like. And to me, it just baffles, you know, that 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 married couples would be able to separate for so long in order, you know, to raise the money to bring the other one over. Yeah, you know, that type yeah. of thing. So yeah, I mean, you can go onto the Ellis Island website and and uh, search for names and find when people came in, and they'll tell you like the name of the ship and all that stuff. It's really really cool yeah. information. I know my, my wife, she loves digging into that kind of stuff. And, you know, there's uh, like various sites where they like, you know, people volunteer and, you know, try to decipher, you know, some of the scribbled writing that's on those documents and things. And, you know, she's yeah. helped out with things like that before. So, yeah, it's 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 cool stuff. I mean, it's just it's wild to think that, you know, we have some of those records that were like we say scribbled on 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 paper, you know, long before we had computers to keep track of all this stuff, and it still exists. Yeah, out there. and then yeah. and the fact that someone someone actually spends the time now, you know, uh, doing the data transfer, uh, you know, yeah. hand by hand, you know, by hand, of putting mm-hmm. all that information into their system is also very cool. Yeah, and I mean that that's pretty much how this minute ends. So, comprende? <laughs> I do comprende. <laughs> yes. Comprende means understand, right? I believe that's that's the way way I've always uh, interpreted it. But uh, I always say that the the extent of what I know in Spanish is what they taught me on Sesame Street. Uno, dos, tres, that whole thing, you know. (laughs) That that makes sense. You'd think I'd know more living in Denver because we do have a a pretty high, uh, you know, percentage of Spanish speakers here in in our region. But... um, Nope, I don't know it very well, I'm afraid. Okay. All right, anything else you want to say before we get into the script? Uh, No, let's go for it. All right, so the script does have a few minor changes here. So McLean says, you know, Powell says to McLean, uh, just watch your ass and you'll make it. So McLean goes, I hope so. But that's up to the guy upstairs. Pause, struck by a thought, upstairs. Thinking to himself, Hans, Hans, you bastard, what were you doing? So I, it's, it's interesting that, that in the script, it's toned down. You know, I wonder if that was an ad lib by uh, Bruce Willis to change mm-hmm. that or, yeah. you know, uh, McTiernan told him, uh, you know, no, you got to swear. Uh-huh. You know, like <laughs> looking back to the future, swear, George. Yes. <laughs> Do you really think I should swear like that? <laughs> hey, you get your damn hands off of her. <laughs> you really think I should swear like that? Yes, George. Swear, goddammit, swear. <laughs> Uh, and then Powell goes, Roy. So I, I like the fact that in the, the script, we've mentioned this a few times, he keeps calling him Roy instead of John, <laughs> even though he knows his name is John. Uh-huh. Yeah. And well, then McLean goes, uh, stand by, Powell. I got to check something out. 
He moves towards the door, limping hurriedly out of the room. And then it says they cut to Holly's front door. Thornburg's got one foot literally in the doorway. But since Paulina still has the chain on, it's not quite enough. So, you know, in the movie, uh, there's no chain she's on outside. It in the movie. Yeah. She's, and yeah. she's outside. <laughs> and then she, he, um, then she says, I'm sorry. Mrs. Holly says I couldn't let strangers in. Strangers? I'm with KFLW TV. That's affiliated with the FCC, and I'm sure you know that's the United States government, just like the <laughs> INS. And then it says, as she wavers. So I, it, it's, it, it's fun that they do it that way. That's an interesting <laughs> change, because I think the way they do it in the movie, you know, again, just solidifies, uh, you know, Atherton as being a jerk. <laughs> you know, yes. the, the way it's written in the script, there's a little more playful which yeah yeah for sure all right so every wednesday we have a segment called hans hump day where my guests will give their top five alan rickman performances so what have you got for us todd all right this was a tough one too um if it was easy i wouldn't give it to you as an assignment come on I realized looking at that, there's there's definitely some that I haven't seen in Rickman's filmography. Um, And there's also a large percentage of movies that are all devoted to one character. Um, Which you should should only pick one of those. I would. Yeah. Well, so number five, I actually went with a voice performance and uh, picked the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy uh, because I I love what he brings to the character of Marvin um, in that. for four, I did go with my Harry Potter one, and because they all kind of blurred together for me and I haven't seen them in a while, I just picked the first one, uh, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, um, mainly because I, I do think Rickman is very strong in that and how he establishes the character of Snape. Um, you know, there might be some, you know, some intricacies and nuances that, you know, in the other films, uh, but again, they're not terribly fresh in my mind at the moment, so I just went with the first one. Um, okay, that's fair. Three, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, um, the the film that really introduced Rickman to me and, and a lot of other folks. Great villain performance. Really? You didn't uh, see him in this one first? No, no. Oh, wait. No, let me think about that. No, you're right. You're right. I did see him in this one first. I don't know why my brain just farted like that. Um, anyway. Wait. Because this is the because Robin Hood he got after this he was established in this and then that was the first big. This was there. this was actually his very first uh, yeah. film performance. No, you're right. I confused the order there for a second. Um. Anyway, number two, Galaxy Quest. I mean, by Grabthar's hammer. Oh, it's so fantastic. And then number one, of course, is Die Hard. Yeah, without question. Okay. Excellent. Thank you very much for that, Todd. So why don't you uh, tell people once again where they can find Todd Liebenau? So the blog is Forgotten Films. It's at ForgottenFilmCast.wordpress.com. The podcast is The Forgotten Filmcast. Just search for that wherever you find your podcasts. And then follow me on Twitter at Forgotten Films. That's films with a Z. All right. And finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for Movie Rob Minute. You can find me on Facebook, find me on Twitter, or you can go directly to my website, MovieRobMinute.com. So until tomorrow, yippee-ki-yay. Yippee-ki-yay.